Welcome to Artful Aging with Amy, where I ask caregivers and professionals the difficult questions that will give you guidance on your life's journey. Support is only one conversation away, and this is your first step. Let's go. Good morning, everyone. I'm Amy Friesen, and this is Artful Aging with Amy. Today, we're going to look at patient navigation and coordinating I've been thrust right into the middle of it uh, in my own personal life, and Margot and I are going to unhatch some of it so that hopefully other people can learn more about what patient navigation is, as well as maybe we can give some tips and tricks from our own experiences, because let me tell you, uh, making a move, even, you know, we're trying to move my father-in-law, as many of you know, from one city to another, and even that is um, really, really difficult especially when you need to capture all of the patient records and all this stuff. And we're just going to dive right into it. So Margot, Margot McWhorter is joining us today. She's a registered occupational therapist. You've seen her on before. We were talking about another, um, another piece last time, but this time we're going to really concentrate on patient navigation. Um, Margot has a master's degree in gerontology, as many of you may remember. She has certificates in patient navigation, home modification, and universal and inclusive design. She is passionate about the connection between housing and healthcare and the impact both have on quality of life. Welcome back, Margot. Thanks for coming back and joining me today. Great to be back and uh, to have this important conversation, uh, especially if you say, given the personal context that you're in right now. Oh, I got to tell you, I mean, from a professional point of view, I handle it just like you. We, we deal with this stuff all the time. And so I have to say, I feel more prepared than the general public to deal with it. But when you're in it and you're feeling all of the feelings of crisis, you're feeling all of the feelings of, oh, my goodness, what is tomorrow going to hold? It's a whole other level of stress and unorganization and things like that. So... Um, Margot, could you please tell our audience a little more about you and your background so that they have a good understanding and then we'll dive into things. Hey, sure. Sounds great. Um, certainly you, you uh, read my brief bio and I think the uh, other aspect that I would add to that information is really I have almost 30 years of clinical and non-clinical experience um, really supporting people, which includes individuals, couples, and families um, living in the community or wherever it is that they choose to call home. And, you know, I emphasize that because, um, you know, it's so invaluable. It's not that people can't successfully, you know, navigate the system um, without 30 years of experience, but because I've worked across the healthcare spectrum, and I'd like to say I know a little bit about a lot of things um, and have very much kind of a problem-solving kind of brain, those both soft, but then also very uh, hard or practical skills really help ground what I do um, in my business at Inclusive Aging. Well, and the thing too is that, you know, when our folks come to us, we we do have this knowledge. And there's, I have to say, I haven't come across a ton of patient navigators and coordinators. There's just, there's not a ton of us out there, I don't think. And it's difficult for people to locate us. And also why, you know, we do the show, right? For people to mm-hmm. find other people to help them. But, you know, we do this every day. And I've talked to clients before to say, you know, in my world for retirement homes, you, you have to almost become an expert 
in the subject matter that you're hopefully only going to be dealing with for this small set amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to go back to your life where you're a subject matter and all this other stuff. And so you're literally taking on a whole other job very quick and, and, and getting it done and then going back out of it. And it's that in itself is really stressful. Just trying to learn everything you need to learn and not actually mm-hmm. sure that you're learning the right stuff. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And I think the other thing to bear in mind, and this can be um, a challenge sometimes, uh, you know, just depending on personality or even circumstance. I mean, we always want to bring the best of uh, ourselves and help our clients and families achieve the goals that they want. Um, but part of that, and certainly uh, an important part of understanding what patient navigation or even care coordination is, it's, it, I like it because it's very similar to occupational therapy. It's rather than doing things for people, it's doing things with. And so the idea of being, you know, a co-pilot, sometimes, you know, uh, one of my my colleagues likes to refer to, you know, planning for aging in place as almost like planning for a trip. So that idea of being a tour guide. Um, but uh, my point being that as much as we do want to know everything, sometimes our, uh, you know, superpower or our secret strength is not knowing all of the answers or having all of the information ourselves, but knowing where to go uh, uh, and find that. And so even the example you gave around researching retirement residents, I'm going through that with a client and family right now. And especially because I'm based in Toronto, where the uh, options are seemingly endless, I've actually um, subcontracted that out to an individual that that almost exclusively is her whole business, um, just because, as you say, like uh, the amount of time uh, and energy, mental as as well as otherwise, to become an expert in that um, is is quite daunting. And so again, it's that idea of. I don't know the answer, but I know how to go about finding it. And that might involve me ramping up and doing research and becoming the expert. Or it might be actually saying, you know what, who do I know that can help me help my clients and family uh, come up with, with the right information and navigate kind of that maze of options? Well, and that's the thing, like we're, um, you know, as professionals, we're very connected to the community in general, right? And so we have probably looked for the answer before for other clients, or we know where to look. And it's it's so much faster, you know, than, you know, someone just, you know, doing this on, I say on the side, but really it becomes a full-time job, but it's temporary, hopefully, right? And so, yeah. you know, when you're navigating, I want to kind of get into a little bit of defining just so that people understand what we're talking about. But when you're navigating as a family member, that is, you know, the the burden, even though everybody, you know, most people will be like, you know, it's not a burden, I'm happy to help. It is a burden, though, because you're, you know, you're taking on this whole extra piece that you don't mm-hmm. know anything about, which comes with added stress levels and chaos and all this stuff. And so, you know, having people to really stand by you and help, and like you said, not do it for you, but just, you know, ride the ride with you, be there mm-hmm. and, and reach out if you need questions answered and things like that. So, you know, Margo, let's look at, you know, can we, can you give us um, a bit of a definition around 
patient navigation, coordinating. I think that, you know, let's just get everybody on the same page. I often find that families, like I said, don't really know these services are available to them, don't know where to look. Um, and there's a lot of extra stress when it's your own family and then everything in your life has to be kind of put on hold or moved around to, to accommodate. So let's start with definitions. Can you give us kind of an idea so everybody's on the same page? For sure. I think, um, you know, the idea of patient navigation or definition of patient navigation is really the um, uh, skill set if you will, of helping uh, individuals and families basically navigate the often fragmented or siloed systems. So that can be healthcare, that can be social services, that may be, you know, seniors housing options um, in a way that essentially allows them to access the services that they need for their health, for their, you know, mental health, for their quality of life, and also as a way of supporting caregivers, because that's a huge part of it. But um, where I like to distinguish, you know, patient navigation, potentially from other roles within the healthcare system, is that the focus is on the patient. What are their goals? What are their wishes? And, and, can we agree, or as a patient navigator, often I'm guiding a conversation to help the client and family establish what their goals of care are so that we then have a bit of a roadmap or a working plan to say, okay, what are we doing about housing? What are we doing about care? What are we doing about transportation? What are we doing about meals? What are we doing about you know, some of the, the legal or the financial aspects of it? all with the idea of, of navigating, getting uh, individuals sort of into that safe harbor uh, or that port, if you will, um, for whatever that phase might be in their uh, healthcare or in their aging journey. Um, and, and so it, it sounds maybe a little bit esoteric, if I can call it that, but really unlike some other roles in the healthcare system where it's about you know, the system is designed to work efficiently and effectively and get people through in a way that I don't want to say benefits the system because that sounds more negative or pessimistic than I intend to. But if um, we aren't focused on the patient, then the patient can often get lost in that fragmented and siloed system. So that's really a huge part of what a patient navigator slash elder care coordinator is going to be involved in. And that's not to say, at least in my you know, perspective, that I work um, separately or in opposition to some publicly funded services or other people who may have similar adjacent roles um, you know, across those systems that I mentioned, but rather I'm there as you pointed out, kind of as a resource, as as a reference for the family or the individual to come back and say, okay, we're, we're trying to navigate this now. Can you help us understand because we're running into roadblocks or barriers? Um, and, and so again, it's, it's often that kind of advocacy, um, uh, the kind of uh, overcoming roadblocks, so strategizing, just even presenting some different alternatives. Because especially when people are um, feeling like they are in a crisis um, and then also trying to make decisions potentially under stress, 
Um, you know, I can say this personally myself, right? That's not the time where you kind of start, you know, really opening your mind and saying, what are all my options? Really, the, the intensity, often the, the, um, uh, default is, is to start to kind of isolate and, and, Bring, you know, narrow down your decisions and maybe not see some of the options that are available, either because you just don't know, because how would you know unless you're working with somebody like a care coordinator or patient navigator, or you're just so overwhelmed that you're just like, you know, I, I can't kind of do anything more. So again, that's, that's also where a patient navigator can, can be so instrumental. And, and I would say that that's, all of that role can often feel rather high level. And then, you know, you mentioned about the idea of care coordination. I often talk to my clients and families about, you know, the sort of two sides of the same coin, because in some cases, people just need a bit of direction and some information, and they can run with that. And in other cases, for whatever reason, it may be language, it may be cognitive ability, it may be, you know, health and lack of other social supports, individuals actually need help to implement that plan or to to basically take that next step. Um, And that's where the care coordination piece can really come into play. And, you know, again, part of the conversation I have with clients and families is, you know, for example, I don't have a roster of care staff, personal support workers, etc. So it's not like I'm an agency and coordinating that, but I can be a liaison between, you know, the individual or family and the caregivers. Similarly, um, part of what I do, and this is probably more so now again on the patient navigation side, is I do have some um clients who just easily uh, get overwhelmed or they may have issues with their memory. And so when they have a medical appointment, they actually want uh, me to accompany them to take notes um, and to basically uh, be a repository of information. Also asking questions that they may not know or be aware of to ask um, when we're sitting with the doctor or other healthcare professional um, in order to make sure that you know, once we've left the doctor's office, that there is a record of what was discussed, but then also, um, and this is sort of where the patient education piece comes into it and, and kind of strategizing with clients and families to say, okay, so now that we know this and it may be, you know, diagnostic specific, it may be sort of course of treatment, what are the options? How, how are we going to analyze and interpret that information? And then again, keeping the, the individual hopefully in the driver's seat and saying, I'd like to go this way, not that way. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's part of the sort of conversation, both in terms of the listening of what is said and not said, but then also creating a conversation around what's possible, or maybe some decisions that need to be made either in the short term or, you know, on the next, whatever, six to 12 month horizon. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I find that as, as people in our roles, specifically as, as navigators, coordinators or whatnot, because like you said, the system is very process focused, very siloed. And I'll tell you a bit about what happened to us recently, but very siloed. And so as coordinators, because we're people focused, 
and we know the questions because of our experience, we're able to draw out information that people don't think about. I often tell uh, my coach, you know, if you want to know about something, don't mm-hmm. expect me to just volunteer the information. If you ask me a question, I'll answer it because then I'll think about all that stuff. Yeah. But I won't think about to tell you because I'm not, you know, I'm not in that process. And so often, Margo, we just like, you know, folks like us, we just, we drag that information out, we qualify it, we organize it. And because we're working with the person, um, like for instance, when we go into retirement living, often the person at the retirement home only meets that person when they come for a tour. But mm-hmm. there's, you know, 75% of the process before where we've done all this work trying to figure out what's the best process for them? You know, what's going to fit better? You know, do they need that? Do they need this? What's their long-term goals? All of that stuff. And so we're very focused on making sure that they, as a person, ask, you know, the questions that are pertinent to their situation and that they get what they need. Um, and then and then we bridge the gap to the silos and the process of it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Of course, my doorbell rings as we're doing this, as as happens. But so um, I guess, you know, giving you an idea of what happened with us recently, and and it's happened to many of our clients, you know, we have my father-in-law moving in, which is something that my viewers know, and we're in the process and we went to pick him up near Windsor and we got there and then we proceeded to sit in ER for 13 hours because we although had a plan which you know every all of my guests and myself are very pro plan still pro plan but it doesn't always work the way that you want it to work and luckily i ke- i was thinking about that during this time and it's like luckily i did have a plan because although i had to change it i wasn't starting from zero and i think that's valuable to not have to feel like you're you know have to start over everything's out um and so we then needed to change what we were doing. And consequently, my husband is actually still there with his dad. We're just sorting it all out. And we, and you know, I'm sorting things out I can do long distance. He's sorting things out he can do there. And something that, you know, really struck me is, you know, as we're sitting in ER, in the, it didn't even look that busy, right? Like I've been in ERs multiple times and it just, you know, it was pretty mellow. It's a small town. It just took so long and no matter what we did, we just couldn't get him to a point of getting in sooner. You know, you know, we had, he, he's very frail. So we had lots of blankets and all sorts of stuff. And we just kept going back saying, you know, things are really going downhill. Can you please get us in now? Um, And we just couldn't push it along fast enough. And, you know, I understand the process, right? Like I understand what's happening, but then that's the, the difference between being, process focused and people focused and really understanding what's happening out there. And then, you know, he had got an x-ray two days ago at the very same hospital to which the ER doctor could not get his hands on for some reason. And so then we had to follow that. And we had, he's got about, you know, five, six specialists. And so Mike's there trying to put everything together and picking up records and they won't turn, you know, transfer them to Ottawa. And it's, craziness and i'm guessing you know you've seen this probably before right and it's like how do people wrap their head around 
the steps and, you know, what do I do and how do I get these records from one to another? And, you know, if I move, is someone going to drop the ball and then I lose a specialist and can't they refer? And what about my prescriptions? And there's a lot out there, Margo. There, there is, it's, there's so much to consider. And I think, especially for us, I mean, you know, you've described uh, a, a very challenging and stressful situation with your father-in-law. So I, I sincerely hope for everybody's sake that things, you know, work out well. Um, when we're working with older adults in particular and families, um, you know, we also are navigating their life experience as well as, you know, skills and limitations and expectations. So, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, basically being there and almost being the quarterback um, and saying, okay, now we need to do this. How do we, you know, uh, deal with you know, what this issue? Um, hey, have you remembered that there is an older gentleman sitting under several blankets here and we've been waiting an extended period of time? You know, I often say to other uh, people within the system and kind of silos, um, you know, let me help you and my client at the same time by managing expectations. Because in some cases, what people need to hear is that as, you know, frustrating or aggravating or, or whatnot a situation may be, it's not entirely outside the realm of normal. And I mean, I regret to say that, but that is the healthcare system that we we live live in. Um, but then on the flip side, we, uh, especially where we get to know our clients very well, you know, there's been numerous uh, examples and, and I'm a registered occupational therapist. I'm not a nurse, but I've actually flagged clients to the healthcare system, in this case, like a home care system to say, this client is not doing as well clinically. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not that they didn't have nursing care in there, but if nursing was focused on, you know, one thing, maybe it was wound care, or maybe it was, um, you know, managing uh, urinary uh, tubes or something. It, sometimes they don't kind of take that bigger step back and look at the big picture. And so then to, to raise that flag and say, hey, we have a different issue now. And I'm thinking specifically of a client who I recognized um, was was very rapidly uh, deteriorating and becoming palliative. And fortunately, the publicly funded system did kick in and we got, you know, supports and services. So in his case, um, his preference was to pass away at home. But that took my role and having worked with him uh, and knowing him for over two years to say, He's been frail and and vulnerable and and uh, having you know challenges medical and otherwise for all of this time, but this is something different. And so, um, as you were speaking, I think one of the the things that occurred to me, um, and again, it can happen whether you're at ER, whether um, our clients are are encountering other professionals, maybe needing a specialist, etc. But one of the things that can be both most challenging, but also most rewarding in the kind of work that we do is getting to know our clients and families as people. And, and I do kind of caution um, that, that that takes time, right? We have, a, we have ourselves a process, you know, intake and assessment and questions, but I'm not going to be able to learn all of the little nuances that can help me be the best navigator and advocate and liaison for my clients 
until I get to know them. And so then that requires, you know, a level of trust and information sharing and answering questions and perhaps um, that exchange of information in a way that respects professional boundaries, et cetera. But really we do become um to to a greater extent than than I think many people would imagine, really intimately involved in individuals' lives. Um, and, and so that again, as you say, that's a challenge, but it's also very rewarding. So I mean I, I you know the thing is is about, you know, I found that a lot of people tend to also think that the medical system will do X or they assume that they'll do something. And so, you know, again, I'm a professional, but this is also my family that I'm dealing with right now. And I'm always careful. And I think so many of us are professionals that deal with it in our families as well, that, you know, it's, I'm always careful to say, you know, to my husband, like, here's my advice. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to step on your toes. Please let me know if it's too pushy or whatever, because you have to, there's a fine boundary with families as well. Right. And it's like, but what was interesting is that when they got into the back of the ER, so where the beds are, and I was sitting out in the waiting room for three hours until I, till we gave up and I went home and they stayed there because there was no use of me sitting there anyway. Um, I was actually texting Mike while he was in there, ask the doctor this, do this. And, you know, he said, oh, well, I assume that they would do that. I'm like, don't assume anything. Ask everything because unless you ask, it may or may not be done and you don't even know if they've considered it. And, you know, you think you'd hope that things were done, but more often than not, if you don't ask that either the person's not thinking about that like maybe it's something for medical purposes maybe they thought it was something and they're looking into that realm but like you said often there's a whole spectrum of things going on and so unless you say hey we're specifically concerned about this could we do x um you may not get the answer you want and so i think it's so valuable to be able to be connected to patient navigators and coordinators to so that somebody else is who is not in crisis with you but has your best interests in mind can think about okay what's going on i know the situation what's happening you know how does the medical system work you know for me how do the retirement homes work and how does working with the hospital and retirement homes work together what is that system okay where do we fit in that system and what do i need to ask to make sure my client is taken care of properly and so you know that's the other thing it's like you, you just don't know what you don't know and unless you literally ask everything you may not mm-hmm. actually get the answers and you may not know you don't have the answers until you're in this awkward position of needing that answer that you don't have anymore yeah and and also um, being able to provide the right answers or information from your client's perspective, or in this case, your father-in-law's perspective, to give the healthcare system the information they need in order to help him. Like I'm thinking of an example where I sat for many hours in an emergency room pre-COVID um, with, with a client and uh, you know, they were getting ready. I could tell, you know, it was like 1130 at night or something and they were getting ready to, to basically make their final decision whether to admit or discharge her. And they started asking, you know, a series of questions and, you know, this client was uh, physically frail, but cognitively very well. 
but she had been lying in ER for hours, like 10 hours maybe, without anything to eat and very little to drink. And they wanted to see if she could get up and walk. And I said, hang on a second. This is an older adult who has had nothing to eat for 12 hours. She is not going to be strong. And so let me go to the cafeteria, get her some juice, get her something to eat, and then come back and do your assessment. And, you know, I mean, that's just a small example. And that certainly is not something um, from a service perspective that I do a lot. Like I don't tend to spend a lot of time in emergency rooms with my clients. But that alone is an example of where, particularly for older adults, and if if you don't have family or you don't have, um, you know, you, you basically, you should never go to hospital alone is, is the short answer. And that's, I'm not dissing hospitals. I'm not saying they're, you know, not good places, but to your point, right? You, you need somebody who can ask the right questions, who can hear the responses with a different ear than uh, potentially the general public. And then the other huge piece that a patient navigator or or a care coordinator can really help with is then the successful implementation or the after effect. Because again, if, if you know, people are seen in eMERGE or they're in hospital or in rehab, and then there's a discharge to home, but those are two different systems that don't necessarily um, coordinate well between them, other than filing the referral, then that's where people can fall through the gaps. And and again, it's not dissimilar when I'm thinking about like home safety assessments or home modifications. I'm looking for the potential risks and hazards where people are going to run into difficulty, where they're going to run into barriers to accomplishing their goals and and basically staying safe and healthy and i'm saying hang on a sec we need this is an issue that we need to address for sure and it's funny that you mentioned the er with your client there because one of the things that i really noticed while i was there is that you know this, almost the same thing right you know we were there for 13 hours there was other we like there was a whole crew of us. I, you know, we were in, a, I was entertaining the whole ER that night. And I luckily, I traveled with juice boxes. So it's like, I was traveling, I had, you know, snacks, I had random cashews and stuff. And I was offering them because honestly, people were there. There was like almost like, you know, sets of groups of people that like all of us came in together. We all spent this time and then we all dis- disbanded. Right. And, you know, there was a gentleman there that was probably around my age and he literally could not move. He was like, he was almost like he just was so sore and there was something going on and they were doing CAT scans and stuff and they had him up five times at least. And I kept saying every time he came up, would you like a wheelchair? Like make it easier on yourself, right? And no, none of the nursing staff, nothing, nobody paid attention. And then there's like small kids that, you know, don't functionally understand what's happening. There's there were seniors. It was just a whole schmammoth of everything. And like you said, there's like, there's no food in sight. Right. And so I got mm. thinking there as I was spending all my time in ER, it's like, why don't they have something up here? Like, why don't they have something if it's going to take this long? Right. And so that was yeah. an interesting observation I had that is very similar along your lines too. And I think it goes back to something that you said before about, uh, you know, advising Mike, your husband, that, you know, not to assume or have um, lofty expectations about the medical system. And, 
you know, again, all due respect and credit to emergency departments, you know, they are there dealing with people in the midst of medical crisis, hydration and nutrition, and and you know, some of those other um, adjacent considerations. But that's not their primary focus. And so, you know, I, I'm not suggesting for a moment that the idea of having a small commissary or something, you know, like in a retirement residence or a long-term care home, they bring around a cart with snacks and whatever. That would be probably a great thing to have within the emergency department. Um, but again, that's where that takes bigger picture thinking because that's not... Um, I mean, you and I both know that that's critical to people's health and wellness, but in a critical medical crisis situation where they're dealing with, you know, people who've been involved in car accidents and having heart attacks or stroke or whatever, thinking about, hey, you know, how long has it been since you've had a meal? That's not really going to be top of mind. So good on you for A, having that on hand and then B, um, offering to assist others. Tell you, Margo, someday you and I, we're going to rule the world and everybody will have food and juice. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. And there are, you know, there's some research and, and some studies and some information out there about designing elder friendly uh, emergency departments. And, and oftentimes that comes from the perspective of, you know, working with people who may have uh, cognitive issues. But, you know, similarly, if imagine if you, you mentioned that there's, you know, intergenerational people who are, are on number emergency department, imagine that it was a, a youngster, young adult with autism who was coming in with a broken leg and just all of the sensations of being overwhelmed. Like it, you know, not, not, not to whatever, you know, talk about customer experience, but really that's, that's a bit of what we're talking about here. When we, you know, look at the situation from the individual and the family's perspective, that changes things significantly. Yeah, I agree. Margo, thanks for joining us today. Can you tell everyone uh, your contact information if they want to get a hold of you again? You're in the Toronto area. So maybe, mm-hmm. you know, generally speaking, people just kind of have to go on the Internet to find us. Right. Like generally speaking. But so could you let us know how to get a hold of you? And then do you have a, any advice for people that maybe aren't in our area to have how they can find someone like yourself mm-hmm. or someone like myself? Do you have any thoughts to that? Okay, um, so I'll just direct people to my website. So it's www.inclusiveaging.com. And then there's a contact form for uh, either sending me an email or getting in touch with me. Um, be happy to speak with anybody. And um, with respect to, you know, how to locate uh, individual private patient navigators, um, you know, Oftentimes, for me, it is word of mouth. So if uh, wherever people are at, if they know of other, uh, you know, if they have family or friends, you know, they could ask that way. Um, in some cases, people are taking to Facebook and and within community chats or, you know, next door app, you know, lots of, of different kind of social media way. Um, there are uh, or sorry, I should say that the, I'm not aware that there is this kind of registry of, um, uh, you know, patient navigators 
Um, but having said that, you know, I know you and I know some individuals in the Maritimes and people out West. So we almost find each other so that if people come to us, like, for example, I may have family members uh, who contact me that they live in the Toronto area, but their parent is in British Columbia or in, in you know, Nova Scotia or something. And so then I can can maybe redirect them. But, you know, it is a challenge. Um, and um yeah, it's I I'm I'm not sure that I have any more concrete suggestions than that. Well, and for sure like it that for myself, I have connected with, you know, people across Canada that do what I do because there's like 12 of us. <laughs> there's very few of us, right? And so sometimes like if you find one of us, we we mm-hmm. most likely will have a contact. So I always welcome people to reach out to me. I'm sure that you wouldn't mind as either uh, either just for some direction, right? Because uh, we're wanting to help people. And so I'm happy to email connect people if they need it. So Margo, thanks again for joining us today. I really appreciate all of your insight. And uh, I hope that we will have you back on in, in, in the due time in the next little bit. That'd be great. And certainly um, all the best once again to you and your family. And thanks for having me on your show. Thank you. And there you have it for today's show. If you've enjoyed what we've been talking about, if you have found value, uh, please share it with your networks, like us on YouTube or the podcast that you're listening to us on. Thanks again for joining me on our Aging with Amy. And for me, to all of you, I hope that you have a wonderful Wednesday.